Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. Good morning, everyone. Uh, it's an honor, again, to be in front of you guys and being able to speak with you. Um, I know many of you are just getting back from a Memorial Day weekend, uh, and you probably, a lot of you may have gone different places or uh, have just enjoyed that weekend in different ways. Um, <clears throat> but one of the things about Memorial Day, I, I happened to be on Facebook a couple of times uh, this week, and I was just really touched by some of the tributes uh, that people created for our fallen veterans. Um, just some of the things that they did, some of the tributes that some of them were from family members, some of them were for, from perfect strangers, um, but they were just so amazing. And it was amazing and inspirational to me to see some of the effort and the love that people put into keeping a memory alive and to honor the sacrifices by our veterans. You know, Memorial Day is a holiday that we take time to remember the sacrifice that many of our veterans have made. And so in a similar way of remembering and bringing honor, I would like to take some time with my message this morning to remember Jesus and the gift of grace that his sacrifice made for us. So this morning we're going to be looking at a passage that is, that is actually really familiar to a lot of us, and sometimes when passages become really familiar, we tend to forget all that they have to say. And so, <clears throat> so this morning, I hope to begin to remember some of the richness of these verses. And we're going to be looking at Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. Okay, so if you want to turn to your Bibles um, into uh, to chapter 2, and again, we're going to be going through verses 1 through 10. Now, I'm going to read through the whole passage to begin with. And then we're going to go back and we're going to look at each verse separately. And I'm going to be pulling words and phrases out of each of those verses to, to kind of talk about. And I'm going to summarize my message into basically three main ideas, which I'll give to you in a minute. So if you're at Ephesians uh, 2, 1 through 10, let's go ahead and read through that. And it says this. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us, in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, 
so that no, no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Can never pray enough, so would you pray with me just real quick as I begin this message. Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity to, to be in front of these people. Lord, I just pray that you would help me to speak your words, that, that your words would ring in people's ears, and that you would speak to them what you want to speak to them this morning. Lord, we thank you for your scripture. We thank you for all that it does to encourage us and give us hope and confidence in you. And so, Lord, I just pray that you, again, just be with my words and help them to glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so I'm breaking this, this message, this, these scriptures, into basically three main ideas, three sections, okay? And the first main idea is remember God's mercy. Look backward. Okay. Number two is remember God's grace. Look upward. And three, remember God's power. Look forward. Okay. So we're going to start with uh, the first one. Remember God's mercy and look backward. Now, I was trying to keep this in line with the other three points, so I used the look uh, Technically, I kind of want us to glance back at this one. I don't want us to always dwell there, <laughs> uh, but it is important to remember. So uh, I do want us to, to look back and remember God's mercy. And we're going to be starting with verses 1 through 3, okay? These verses will help us as Christians, those who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, to look backward and remember God's mercy, now, before we dive too deeply into uh, these verses, I think it would be helpful for us to understand exactly what mercy is. Mercy is deliverance from judgment. It is God not punishing us as our sins deserve. So let's look at verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. And you were. That first phrase right there starts off, it's past tense. It's calling us to remember, to look back and consider our lives. Paul was making it clear that unbelievers being dead spiritually can never recognize and correct their own condition. Just as a corpse can't breathe life into himself, we do not have the ability, the unbeliever does not have the ability to revive his own spirit into newness of life. We were born this way. We were born spiritually dead. Romans 5.12 says, therefore just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. It is our human condition. So if we are, so even if we are generally good people, we were still dead in our transgressions and sins. We'll, we'll talk about that. Verse 2 says, in which you once walked, following the course of this world. Again, I'm going to be jumping back into Ephesians, so you've got to kind of keep your finger in your Bible there and stuff. I'm going, to be, I'm going to be sharing different verses, but we're going to be going back into Ephesians. We're going to continue going back to this, this passage. So verse 2, again, says, <clears throat> in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. 
in which you once walked following the course of this world. You know, this verse kind of brings an image to my mind of, of somebody walking down the road or walking down a path, and it's leading basically to this cliff of destruction. And along the way, we're, we're tasting the sins and temptations of, of life, and it's enticing you further and further down that road. The word walked indicates a lifestyle. It's basically their nature. Titus 3, 3 states it in this way, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. And it goes on to say, Following the prince of the power of the air the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Now, Prince here is, is obviously re- referring to Satan, and Satan certainly has the power to influence the forces around us, and he tries to tempt us into sin all the time. And if you think about that word air, okay, air is all around us. Air is everywhere, okay? And our enemy is oftentimes everywhere, Air is there when we get angry at a coworker. It is there when we post an inappropriate post on Facebook. It is there when we are jealous of someone else's fortune. It is there when we make a mouse click on an inappropriate website. And the words at work in this verse tell us that Satan is constantly at work, always deceiving always lying, tempting, trying to destroy what he can. Charles Spurgeon once shared a a parable that went like this. He talked about a tyrant who summoned one of his subjects into his presence and ordered him to make a chain. That blacksmith, that poor blacksmith, had to go and forge the chain. When he was done, he brought it into the presence of the tyrant, and he was ordered to take it away, and make it twice the length. He brought it back again to the tyrant, and again he was ordered to double it. Back he came when he had obeyed that order, and then the tyrant looked at, the, looked at him and commanded his servants to take that chain and bind him with it and, sh- and, and uh, cast him into outer darkness, cast him into prison. Now, Spurgeon applied it this way. That is what the devil does with men. He makes them forge their own chain and then binds them hand and foot with it and casts them into outer darkness. Verse 3, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body in the mind, and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We all, at this time period, it meant Jews and Gentiles. It was everyone. No one was exempt. And even for us, it is all of us. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You can't single yourself out and say, Well, you know, but I'm better than most people. Just like you can't single yourself out and say, But you have no idea the things that I have done. Every single one of us has fallen short. We have to remember that God's law is the standard, and none of us, no matter how good we are, 
have ever lived up to that standard. We have all, verse 3 tells us, lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body. Galatians 5.19 tells us that the passions of the flesh are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, and divisions. We're by nature. Nature tells us it's in our very being. And all of these things don't just show up in our actions, but they also show up in our thoughts and our minds. If we are honest, we can all admit that we have had impure thoughts. We have been jealous. We've had fits of anger. We've had dissensions with others. We all are in this condition. We are far from being lovable. I know you're probably thinking, man, that's pretty down (laughs) and stuff. But the good news is this. It's that God did not wait for us to be lovable to love us. Titus 3, 4, and 5 says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of our God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing and regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. John three seventeen says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. He did not leave mankind to his demise. Author Rick Mutowitz describes it in this way, and I love these these phrases. No, he rescues the lost. He adopts the discarded. He cleanses the filthy. He makes whole the incomplete. He pardons the guilty. He justifies the uh, unrighteous. He redeems the enslaved. He reconciles the estranged. He brings near those who are distant. He gives new life to the dead. He glorifies himself by bringing piteous rebels to glory. Think of all that God has done for us. What he has delivered us from. Rest in that. Look back and remember God's mercy. Okay. Point two, remember God's grace. Look upward. Starting in Ephesians 2, 4, it says, it starts with the word but, right? It's indicating that what is about to be said is in, in uh, what is about to be said is in contrast with what was, was just kind of talked about in verses 1-3. We should look backward and remember God's mercy, what he pulled us out of, but most importantly, we need to look upward and remember God's grace. Verse 4, But God being rich in mercy because of the great love which with, the, with which he loved us. God is the only one that can remedy our condition. Being rich, okay, That phrase is not just giving us some, but extravagance 
It's overflowing. It's abundant mercy. Mercy, again, is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone who is within one's power to punish it or harm. It is undeserved goodness. Because of the great love. Now, I love this. I love this phrase. This is, this is an eternal love. It's not like you and I think of most of the time, okay? It's an eternal love. It's a, a love that only God can give. When we think of love, we think about how we love our spouse or our, um, how a friend loves another friend. You know, I love my children. I love them so much. But I fail my children all the time. I fail them. We think of love in human terms. But God's love is so much more. He loves those who are walking away from them and seeks to do them good. It is unconditional. It is steadfast. It is unchanging. We must realize that God's love has a purpose. The Bible is a whole story about God's love towards mankind, and it points us to the gospel. You know, the gospel is the good news that Jesus is God the Son, who became a man being born of a virgin by the Holy Spirit. He lived a sinless life of obedience to his Father. He died for our sins, was buried, and was raised on the third day. He did all of that in accordance with the scriptures and will one day return. This message is a message of God's love. It is the power of God for salvation to all those who believe and put his trust, their trust in him. Therefore, anyone who hears and believes that good message is freely forgiven of all their sins and given the gift of everlasting life. Salvation is by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 5 says, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Romans 5.8 puts it this way, Even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. We were made alive together with Christ. Alive is referring here to eternal life. And if you look through the scriptures, the word together has a lot of examples, okay? We were crucified with Christ. We died with Christ. We live with Christ. We reign with him. We are joint heirs with him. What privileges we have now from being connected to Jesus together with him. By grace, you have been saved. Now, it's interesting here because obviously he uses this phrase later on, and he's kind of breaking, uh, uh, he's in the middle of a sentence, middle of ideas, and he says, by grace, you have been saved. That's, he felt that this was important. Grace is God's, again, free and unmerited favor 
shown to guilty sinners who deserve only judgment. It is the love of God shown to the unlovely. It is the reaching out to people who are in rebellion against him. Grace is extending kindness to the unworthy, and grace is God's blessing us despite the fact that we don't deserve it. Verses 6 and 7 say this, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. 1 Peter 1.4 tells us about this. It says, this is to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Do you realize that eternal life is more than just a ticket to get into heaven? It is so much more than that. The riches of his grace are indescribable, okay? In his grace and kindness, he will ha- we will have eternity to be with him and worship him. We will be in his presence. Revelation 21, 3 through 5 says this, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. God himself will dwell with us. We will have an eternity to worship him in his presence. And we receive this amazing grace through faith. Verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Hebrews 11.1 tells us, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith alone in, in grace alone by Jesus alone. And this is not your own doing. <laughs> okay? This can be difficult for some of us to accept. <laughs> Growing up, I was raised, my dad's here this morning, so he can attest to this. <laughs> okay? um, Growing up, I was raised by a father that taught us to work hard and earn your own way. Okay? There, are a lot of, there is a lot of pride in contributing to the effort and contributing to the, to the cause. And oftentimes we boast about all that we've accomplished. How many of you have heard, I, <laughs> actually I know all of you have probably heard, heard this, you know, your parents say something like, when I was in school, I walked to school, it was uphill both ways, right? Um, after school, I went to a sports practice for two hours. And then after that, I 
went to work for another four to 12 hours. <laughs> right. And then after that, I came home and I did my homework. And then I got about four hours of sleep. And the next day, I did it all over again. <laughs> Many of you heard something like that? <laughs> Many of us were raised to take pride in our own work ethic. Now, working hard is a good thing. Don't get me wrong there. But we cannot carry this over into our salvation. Your salvation is a gift. It is by God's awesome love and power and not in our good works. Ephesians 2.9 Not as a result of works so that no one may boast. We cannot think that something we have done, are doing, or will do contributes to what God has accomplished in us. Now, I want to pause here for just a second. You know, there are some today that would say that because we don't have anything to do with it, we can do what we want, and it really doesn't make a difference. Okay? Just because we cannot earn our salvation through our own merit, it doesn't mean that we have a license to do whatever we want. Okay? Just because God does the work and forgives us of all of our sins does not mean that we should continue in that sin. I, I like the way Jerry Bridges brings some balance to this, okay? He says this in the following statements. He said, anyone who is prone to use grace as a license for irresponsible, sinful behavior surely does not appreciate the infinite price God paid to give us his grace. But anyone who tends to use legalism as a hedge against license just as surely forgets that grace cannot be earned by our behavior. We must remember that the free gift of grace cost God the death of his son, Jesus Christ. Salvation is free to us, but it was very costly to our Lord and Savior. It was an amazing sacrifice for our freedom from the bondage of sin. We need to look upward and remember what God has done by appreciating it and having faith and trust in God's grace. Be confident in God's grace. So this actually brings me to my final idea. Remember God's power. Okay? Look forward. We finish with Ephesians 2, verse 10. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Workmanship means of his making or his handiwork, okay? His obviously signifies that this is God doing the work in us and created. We were created by God. Isaiah 43, 7 says, Everyone who is called by name, by my name, whom I created 
for my glory, whom I formed and made. He created us for his glory. And as we said earlier in verse 5, he has made us alive. The Lord knows what we were created to be and all the great things that he can accomplish when we abide in him. Isn't this amazing? Just think about it. That's an amazing idea for me. God called us out of the mire of sin. He saved us. He gave us new life. He made us his masterpiece for his glory. He gives us the Holy Spirit, and he even creates work for us to do. Then he helps us to do it through his power. And on top of all that, he then rewards us for doing that work. Isn't that amazing? The Holy Spirit is at work within every believer to empower him or her to live a life that glorifies him. God is already at work in this world. We just have to go and join him in it and walk in them. Paul, Paul talks about this in, in 1 Corinthians 15, 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And this grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. You know, grace came into my life and made me alive to Jesus Christ, and it didn't come in vain. We are walking with him in his grace. Now, I want to encourage you this morning to keep walking. We will fail at times. We will not walk this life perfectly. We will mess up, but keep looking forward and believing that God's power will accomplish great things. Jesus is the one that can give you confidence that you need to do great things for him. God has created each one of us differently for a reason. You know, think about a toolbox, for example, all right? You go and you grab a, a screwdriver, right? You don't pound a nail in with that. You go and grab a wrench. You don't saw a board with a wrench, right? God created each of us, uh, us differently in his own special way Stop. for his glory. You know, pray about what God may be calling you to do with your life. Maybe one way you could prepare for joining Jesus in the work that he's already doing is by coming to the, the equip classes over the summer. You know, 2 Timothy tells us, and uh, three, 3.17 says that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Remember, the power of God goes with you. Remember God's power and look forward. So as I, as I summarize this morning, if the band wants to come up, um, we'll go ahead and, and they, can, they can come up and get started. But 
we started this morning talking about Memorial Day, okay? And just like people have done things to honor our veterans, let's try and bring honor to the one who made the ultimate sacrifice for the world by remembering Jesus. Look backward and remember God's mercy. Look upward and remember God's grace. Look forward and remember God's power. Now there may be some of you here this morning that have come and, and maybe you don't understand what this Christian walk that we've been talking about is, is all about. As the, as the band sings their last song, we'll have a prayer team up here, and I would encourage you to come. We would love to tell you about Jesus, tell you about who he is, and tell you what he has done for you. Please come and do that. And again, just to, to reemphasize these points, and look backward and remember God's mercy. Look upward, remember God's grace, and look forward and remember God's power.